Welcome, welcome to another episode of Real Voices. We appreciate you joining us. We have another great guest, Bobby Leaves, with us. Thanks for coming on, Bobby. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. <laughs> Bobby, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been in the industry. I've actually been doing this uh, 30 years now. Uh, my prior deal, I played college baseball and came out here. My dad had a nightclub, so we were in the nightclub business for almost uh, 13, 14 years. And we, we, we opened the second club, and I knew after dealing with people in the bar business for basically 14 years, I was done. I hated people at that time, so <laughs> now I got into real estate, but it was, um, there was a good buddy of mine that came in the club, good friend, and he had a super team and did Paradise Valley and, and said, hey, you, have a, you, know, you know everybody in the valley, why don't you come work with me? And uh, he just was a great mentor, so I stayed with him for five years. So um, just looking at your production, um, you had a couple diamonds this, this past. I'm always wondering, how do you, as a single agent, keep up with, with all of the things that you have to do every day? Like, how do you keep on top of that by yourself? You know, um, part of it is I don't sleep. Okay. <laughs> my okay. kids are gone now. So I work crazy hours. I have, and I'm seven days a week. I may still find time to work out every day. I still find time to play golf. But I love what I do, and I think that's a big part of it. My, I have an assistant that's as crazy as I am as far as work ethic. She works seven days a week, and actually she was the um, manager of the office at Realty Executives way back when, when I came to uh, went on my own. I've had her with me for 21 years, so she's absolutely phenomenal. I, I do the selling, the meeting. She does all the behind the escrows, and without her, it wouldn't fit. Now. I have a new agent working with me and my wife, so that's um, going to be challenging to both <laughs> of us because we th think we're spending too much time with each other. But I love it. I love having, you know, I, I don't want, I never wanted to be part of a team. I was part of a team when I first started, and I just felt like I, 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 my work ethics are so crazy hours. I know it would be hard to get people to do the same thing that I do, so I enjoyed working on my own, have enjoyed doing that for now 30 years. That's interesting. No one else is going to do it, so I'll just do it myself. I, I hope not. Yeah, you know what? It's just um, I've tried. I've had people work with me before, and my personality just doesn't. You know, when I had in the nightclub, I used to have 30 employees. Now I just have really one, and just so easy to deal with. And I've, it works for me. And, and I see people that have teams. Problem with teams, if you everybody takes their equal responsibility, it's great. I see a lot of teams implode because one person is the workaholic, the other ones don't do, and I just, this way I don't have to deal with anybody. I can't fire myself, so I just, that's who I have. Makes <laughs> it sense. works. Makes sense. Yeah. So you said it came over 10 years ago. HomeSmart was a completely different company then. Absolutely. Um, what, what drew you over? What was it that, that brought you over? Uh, I just really, when I came over here, it just felt really hip, and, and, and it was younger. Uh, we all were younger 10 years ago, but I just liked the whole atmosphere. We, at the time, we were at 32nd Street in Callenbach, and I just felt like it was real, the real people. There was no BS to it. There was no playing games. What I really liked, Matt, our owner, dressed as poorly as I do, and he had a wrinkly home smart shirt and said, <laughs> still. But there was no, like, three, you know, cufflinks and three-piece suits, and that's just not me. I'm Lululemon, you know, but I just felt like it was a real company, and... The hard part for me was convincing the agents who were all with me at Realty Executives were to come over to HomeSmart because we all used to laugh at HomeSmart because <laughs> HomeSmart was kind of known, they just didn't have a lot of top agents at the time and they had bought Dan Schwartz Realty so they were more or less a 
known as kind of as a part-time company, but I felt like it didn't, didn't really matter who you're with. They, it's you or the agent that are the brand. And Matt Widows, the owner, gave me carte blanche to start this elite group. And so the agents that wouldn't come over the first, second day when I told them I was going to HomeSmart, when I told them I started the elite group, which basically was two things. One is to get all these agents to come over and give it like a, kind of like tricking your kids with that different name. Right. But also I wanted to have great meetings once a month. And I really wanted to see agents interacting with each other, which I don't see, didn't see a lot. So we started with 12 people. We now have 1,300 10 years later. And people actually, and I hear that from, from Shea and Career Services, will only come if they can be part of our elite group. So we're getting now top agents. You're seeing luxury homes sold by home smart agents, all price range, but you're seeing a lot of high volume people that are coming over here now. And it's actually becoming competitive because they all want to kick my butt and I want to <laughs> kick their butt. But the quality of agents, nobody is allowed to have an ego here. Uh, they, you know, whether I'm the top agent or Bruno's a top agent every other year, nobody gives us that respect. They, they beat us up and, and I love it. And I love that, you know, that I'm better than you. There's not going to be anybody at HomeSmart ever has that attitude. And to me, it carries over in the, from the upper management to the agents that you have fun with the agents, but you also learn. But the networking part that I see at our meetings are phenomenal. I think that's what's really helped agents do more business with each other because they know each other. Right, right. I appreciate that. So let's talk about those monthly meetings. I haven't had the chance to sit on a couple of those um, Zoom-wise. Okay. I didn't know what they were. I'm glad we're getting rid of Zoom. I know. We're, we're, we're actually going there. live. We're back to live next month. I'm so looking we'll forward see. to that yeah, one. So let's talk a little bit about that. What was kind of your vision for those monthly meetings? What that? What did that look like for you? You know, I really wanted two things. I wanted to have great speakers. I, Bill Gray, who used to own Arizona School of Real Estate, uh, you have to have 24 hours as, as a continuing education with realtors. So Bill would do, I, I, to, to get Bill over was a big key for me because that took care of four months. And then I, I have uh, the Crawford Report, but I really want to have great speakers because you can have all the networking you want, but if your speakers suck, proper word to use on the air, but if the, if the speakers are not good speakers, they're not motivational, and people can't learn from them, they're not going to come. So I had great speakers to get the agents to come to the meetings. We actually first started off at our old HomeSmart office at, at uh, 32nd Street in Calumbach. I think we had 30 people in our meetings. And once we, then we went to different places, and then once HomeSmart moved to corporate, we end up having our meetings now at North Phoenix Baptist Church in Central Phoenix. The room would hold 300 people. So our meetings of 30 now, we get probably 200, 225 people to our meetings. And they're great because the first half hour is the agents meeting each other, which I'm looking over, you know, because I'm getting ready to start the meeting. I'm seeing agents talking to other people that normally they would never do. And that to me was the big thing. I, I wanted, I wanted good quality agents to come over here. But I also wanted agents that somewhat got along. You don't have to like each other, right. but they learn from each other. And that's kind of when I started 30 years ago, I used to hang around the best of the business and absorb from them. I didn't come in with any ego that I knew it all because I didn't. And I think that's where you become a better agent is when you hang around people that know a lot more than you do. And you hopefully sit back and, and learn from them and don't feel like you know it all. And that's what I've always done. Even today, as long as I've been in the business, I'm still learning from people and but the support at HomeSmart is second to none. And to watch this company, I think it was 1,500 agents, 2,000 agents when I started X amount of years ago, 7,000 local. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, crazy. it's pretty wild, the growth. Yeah. I like that. No ego here. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's true. 
I was thinking about the first time I met you. I went and sat in your office, and you had all of these uh, chairs there from the from the stadium. Right. Big, big baseball fan. Right. Obviously, you grew up playing. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. What what got you into that, and what was that like for you? You know, uh, my dad lived in Phoenix, and so my parents divorced, and I, I grew up in Atlanta, and I just wanted to find something. I always liked sports, but I never had the dad pushing me, but I had friends of mine's dad said, you need it. So I got hooked on baseball at a, at a young age when I started, I play, started played Little League for a couple of years. And then pretty much, um, unlike a lot of the kids now, like my, even my kids, we can have tutors, we can afford tutors. You're just, you're, you're just, you're out there learning. So now I'm looking at these kids going, you were so lucky you got professionals helping you, you know, everybody's playing NFL football or, but I didn't. So I, but I, I just really, um, kind of worked it. I knew baseball was what I wanted to do. I end up, uh, I made All-State my senior year at, uh, in Atlanta. And then uh, I played, um, I came out to Arizona State my freshman year, played baseball out here, thinking I was the best, one of the best in the country. And you come out here from Atlanta and see the best is ASU, you know, 20, 30 years ago when Coach Brock was our coach. And then I ended up going to Coastal Carolina which actually won the uh, baseball championship two years ago. But I, um, I went to Coastal, played baseball there for two years, and kind of cool, we got to travel. I was in South Carolina, got to travel all over. When I got done with that, so when I came to work, my dad had the club out here. But baseball was a great experience for me. And one thing that I tell people that I hate to lose anything, I think I told you a story yeah. where I coached my daughter in a first grade uh, championship girls softball. And I worked with this one kid because I, even though I was only six, seven years old kids, I wanted to win this game because the <laughs> other coach was a friend of mine. We, we, we also competitive with each other. And um, this one girl dropped two five balls in the outfield. And that was 20-something years ago. I'm still pissed off I lost <laughs> the game. And so when I, when I do my CE class, which my next class is in, in, a, in a couple of days, I tell people the story. People that play sports understand that. People that never played sports goes, you're an ass. And I go, you know what? I may be, but I hate to lose. And I don't care what it is that I do, I want to win at. And it's, I think it started in baseball. Then, then my poor kids, because I, I came from a divorced family, my poor kids were stuck with me, coaching them and everything. I loved it. I don't think they love it. But it was fun for me coaching kids and, and helping other kids out. But that's, the hate to lose thing is probably my, my motto. I just I do not want to lose in anything. I think it kind of carries over into what I do in real estate because we are in a very competitive market. Especially now, it's always been that way, and I always want to be one of the best that was out there. But you, to do that, you got to work and put a lot of hours in, and I, I don't mind doing that. So let me ask you: When knowing that you hate to lose, <laughs> how do you deal when you do? How do you deal with it when you do lose? Gracefully. I'm not a good, well, I tell you one thing: Matt Whittles from Home Smart made me do. He made me. He, he told me years ago. He goes, "I'll give you carte blanche to run all this elite stuff." but please don't respond to people in a mean email. Read it, just think about what you're saying for 24 hours <laughs> before you send an email out. So um, I do, you know, it's hard. And I think um, I, I almost want to call the person up and go, why didn't you hire me? But you know, you can't do that. I think about it for about half a day and it pisses me off. I see that another agent has a sign on a property I wanted, but what it does is it fires me up going, not only am I going to show that agent, I'm going to get two more to beat them. I will find a way to, I mean, it's, you, you can only be down so long because if you're down, especially being as, as hyped up as I am to, to win, um, it's going to happen. I, I don't like to lose and it, it bothers me. 
Um, but I have to play by the rules because <laughs> I know I always have a target on my back. So you just find a way to say, you know what, I lost that one. Just like in sports, you're going to lose maybe in a three-game series. You may lose one game and win two. Right. I just say, okay, I lost that one. I'm going to win these two here. And for every one I lose, I want two replacements. Mm. And that way, um, you know, it's still 30 years later, I'm still fighting that thing. Because there's always, you know, and you lose for different reasons. One, you may not be as good as the other agent, which I don't ever want to think that's happened. But you don't know who those people happen to know. That person, maybe they were using me to get the information what I thought, knowing they were going to hire somebody else, and maybe it's their kid that's the realtor, but, um, you know, that's just a part of the deal. You, you just got to know that sometimes you are getting used for your information, but as I said, it's not fun for me to, to lose out, and you can only sit so long. Here's I'm telling my kids how much I hate to lose. I can't sit here and be down that long because I'm telling them, so it's, you know, it's something you either have or you don't have it. You hate to lose it, but in our business, especially in this market right now with losing 10 deals and then you have to win the 11th deal. It's a whole different world we're in now in real estate. I appreciate that. Thank you. So and you guys at Echo are phenomenal, by the way. We use you for everything. So. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's a great, great plug. Okay. Appreciate it. So I was thinking, you mentioned that you had this uh, club and you told me a little while ago um, that you just had a, a magnificent partner right. at one point. Um, I like to think about, you know, you know, when we're thinking about partying and clubbing, you seem like a pretty fun guy. Um, what was the craziest thing you saw in that, that club? What was some, some interesting thing you could share with Can us? Can I tell you, so first, first of all, um, my dad built the very first uh, discotheque way back when, it was called Disco, in, in 1970. Then we had the private club. My biggest thing that I'm very, very appreciative of now is that we don't have mobile, we didn't have mobile phones back then. Because <laughs> you know what, that would have been I would have been in trouble. A lot of us have been in trouble. And I feel sorry for those that um, get caught. And, and we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Instagram. So you got away with a lot of stuff that you wouldn't get away with today. But to me, I'll tell you what's really cool. The first club, we had 2,000 members. On a Friday night, uh, we'd have probably 1,000 people in the club dancing. And my disc jockey ended up being my wife. So we, she, my DJ quit one night. I brought her on. So we started dating for about five years, and then we got married after the club. But I met a lot of people in the club, I really did. And as I said, I met my wife, but the, the, the lifestyle was fun. I mean, I, I met, a, again, good people. The second, we sold that club, and the second club we opened up at Central Camelback, one year into that, I, we had our first kid, and I go, I just can't be in the bar business anymore. Plus, I, I think I started hating people. You know, when people would come up to me when I was in my 20s, and the clients say, hey, you know what? My wife hates me, my dog hates me. Oh, that's cool. Then they start telling me when I turn 30, I go, I don't like you anymore. Um, probably the coolest thing about that second club I had, if you remember the movie Waiting to Exhale that Whitney Houston was in, so they rented our club out. We, we knew after about eight years that we were selling the club to another business. And so Waiting to Exhale, which was basically the book was written in, in uh, Arizona, they rented our club out for the last seven months. So Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, Whitney Houston, and of course I could come in there and watch what was going on there. That to me was pretty amazing. Then the most amazing part is when that movie actually came out the first day. I'm going in to watch it and seeing all the bar scenes that were filmed at my club. And the rule they had in there that if anybody looked at Whitney, who obviously was a star at the time, they were kicked out. But it was pretty cool meeting them, seeing them, doing something different, and then you realize what was going on behind the scenes to do a movie 
to actually come out and be a pretty big hit. That, that was, but I am thankful if I just say it once, I'll say it again. There were no cameras or internet back then. <laughs> we all would have been in trouble, serious trouble. So Yeah, I uh, think, I, I feel that same way as well, so <laughs> for sure. Cool, thanks, for, I appreciate you sharing. That's cool. You bet, my cool. pleasure. That's cool. Um, so do you, do you get to read much? Do you do much of that? I am not a reader. Okay. Yeah, I really am not. That's probably one thing that I'm weak at. I mean, I read statistics in our industry, but I've never been a big reader. Okay, no worries, I, that's, that's cool. So tell me, what do you, what was something that your kids would say your dad's, my dad's always harping on? Like, what would, what would be something you've always taught them? I think, um, first of all, I think it's important friends. I mean, I, and I think that both of my kids are very social, and I think they realize, as I do, that you need to have a support staff out there from friends and family. Again, when I grew up in Atlanta, uh, I didn't have my dad, but my mom, who worked hard and she really, really didn't have anything growing up, her, her deal was all about our family. We had great cousin support. They always invited us over. Friends of mine that I used to play baseball with, their dads and moms would invite me over. So I kind of relate that to my kids that don't ever underestimate right now when you're in your teens. Now my, my kids are 31 and 29. Don't underestimate the relationship friends have. And now I think what's the positive thing about social media is all these kids that grew up together now are communicating with each other no matter where they move to. So I think that if there's anything, it's don't underestimate how strong it is to have great friends. And I don't, I can't say I have a lot of great friends. I have good friends that no matter what I do, they would always be there for me. And you have a lot of people that say to your friends, but they really aren't. Um, but family are so important and, and the friendships that you make, you know, last forever. I mean, it's, um, I think that's to me yeah. the most important thing there. That's great advice. That's definitely great advice. Um, is there anything that you redo in your life? Um, I would say if anything, I probably wasn't a perfect dad. Okay. You know, I think um, I tried to make up for the fact that my dad was never there for me with all the sports I coached with my kids. I probably was harder, not probably, I was harder on my own kids because I expect the best out of them. and. It wasn't fair to do that to them. My son ended up playing college football. My daughter played um, a bunch of sports through high school and stuff. But I, I, I do regret a little bit that I was hard on them, began the, the losing deal. But you, I mean, I always expected more of them. And if they made a mistake, I probably wasn't as acceptable as I would somebody else. It wasn't because I was mean. It's just, I guess I just, I didn't know any differently because I didn't have a dad there around me. So I think I, like to have that back so I could say, I'm sorry, guys, that I was a little rough on you. Not not a little, probably a lot rough <laughs> on you. But, you know, I can't take that back. And hopefully they understand that I was just trying to make up for what I didn't have, which, which is a dad being there through all my uh, sporting life and, and growing up my younger years and stuff. Man, I appreciate you sharing that because I have that same thing. And it perhaps is just a parenting thing where I expect more out of my own. So, yeah. yeah so. And you know what? And, and they both successful they're both healthy so on that part at least I fed them well and, <laughs> and it, it, probably the, the best thing that happened to them is my wife made up for all my weaknesses of, of being she would say time out you know uh, don't so she was a great referee so that's always good to have a, um, a, somebody else to cover for your weaknesses and I think as a parent she did a great job doing that awesome. I'll start my DJ as my disc jockey that's, you know, that's yeah. so cool how we meet right <laughs> never know where you're gonna meet exactly 
Well, you, you're a sports guy, so I always talk to newer agents about, um, you know, the basics, you know, dribbling. Like, mm -hmm. What would you consider, like, one thing that would you would consider to be dribbling in real estate, like something you just, it's fundamental that you have to do? Well, I'm, uh, I am doing a class on Monday here at corporate, and I think the one thing that I feel is very, very important is having a mentor because people get out of real estate school and no knock to the real estate schools, they're learning how to pass the test. They're not learning what the real world is. And you can't, I mean, my wife just got licensed four months ago and she'd asked me all these questions because she was studying for the test. I go, I don't know this stuff. I, I, there's 30 years ago, I had to learn it to pass the test. And it really, you're not gonna get any water rights questions and never have. So I think when I, when I see people get out of real estate school and some of them, they're very, very lucky because the first transaction they may have is with their grandparents who see no wrong and no matter what they do they can't be wrong they make a lot of money in the first deal and think they could do it on their own and they struggle i had a mentor for five years and i gave up a lot of money by doing that but i knew this was going to be a long-term career i don't look back on that i stayed with him for five years and he was like a 50 50 split for five years but i absorbed all that and i think the people today and I don't want to knock the people in their 20s or 30s because it sounds like an old man. But I just think that having a mentor is the most important thing. And not just for a year or two. You're not going to make a lot. I mean, everybody thinks they can get rich quick in this business. And those of us that didn't major in anything, I majored in baseball in college. So here I am doing real estate. But a lot of people that had didn't really major. It's a great career. But you have to have the fundamentals to know what you're doing. And I just feel a lot of them feel like they can, they learn, every, the school taught them you can make a million dollars right away because that's what the school is supposed to do because you're right. paying your tuition yeah. there. But it doesn't work that way. In the real world, you make a relationship with agents and more importantly, you got to have somebody that's a good teacher. I mean, I used to go in people's cars when I first started. We'd go on tours, absorb all the, the, the really good, good agents. I'd, I'd pick good and bad traits that I think that we're great about. Um, and there's a reason why they were successful, why other ones weren't. And I would just absorb, I'd sit back, and it was hard for me because I'd be quiet and, and listen, which is not one of my better traits. But I think you learn from the people that are better than you, and I always surrounded myself with the better agents. And my mentor was the best in the business and just taught me a lot and always had time for me, which unfortunately a lot of times today, the people who are your mentors don't have time for you. And I was lucky I was in an office that had four or five people that I could always ask questions to. And sometimes, you know, I learned that sometimes I didn't. I mean, it wasn't always the good and bad. But I, um, I, I think that the mentor thing to me is probably the most important thing if you want to be long-term, to start off with the good fundamentals and learning the business and not learn by your mistakes. Because if you screw up, there's a lot of you know, lawyers in our business that, and it's just not something that it's, you know, you've you got to know what you're doing. All right. Thank you. That was, that was great. Appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Well, where can where do the people find you at? Um, I am at uh, my so I, I am technology challenged. <laughs> I am a Bob Lieb L I E B at AOL.com. Yes, I am AOL. <laughs> uh, phone number 602-376-1341. Um, I am probably the number one technology idiot at HomeSmart. I'm proud of that, and I've uh, it goes to the territory. <laughs> I don't know how many AOL people are out there. It works for me, so I don't know. It's so, but I'll, I'm always, you know, one thing I've still enjoyed. I'm always here to help, and, and um, I, I love what I do. I can't say there's a lot of people that can say they like what they do. This is, it's, it's still fun for me. The last, you know, with the pandemic and stuff was kind of a crazy time for all of us. And hopefully now, 
grads who are starting to get back into what we used to do. I think there's going to be some apprehension still, but yeah. I love what I do. Well, I know you're available. I you know, got a phone call you from me at 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. So that was, was late good. for me. You said I called <laughs> earlier. I was being nice to you. I yeah. appreciate it. Thanks, you man. You I appreciate it. pleasure. Thanks.